0: God's people said, my what a blessing to sing the truths of the gospel and scripture together. So thankful for how Pastor Josh puts together the services and of course you can very plainly see the theme that's before us in these days, the advance of the gospel, the making of disciples, the being the call to be obedient to that command. To go make disciples. I was privileged um, shortly after we after I came here uh, in the fall of 15 um, to go to a conference in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, and that song that we just sang, "The Holy Church," was written for that conference. And uh, there's a significant ministry out there. They have a Bible college associated with it, um, and. Uh, anyway, it was it was neat, uh, obviously, to sing a new song. Uh, Chris Anderson had wrote, written the words, and then they put it to music, um, especially for that conference. But on the final night of the conference, um, they had on the platform, again, it's a, a large church, but they had on the platform, uh, as the song says, Christians from every tribe and tongue and nation, I don't know, it was a multitude of people, and one after another, they would recite John 3.16 in their native tongue. It was beautiful. And they had it, you know, planned and, and everything else, and the platform just kept filling in and filling in and filling in with these people as it was recited time after time, and the music, of course, coming in behind it, and then we all sang Uh, That hymn together on that final night. It was a special time. And that's the beauty of what God is doing through the gospel. That one day we will, His children, stand in the throne room of heaven with all people of every tribe and tongue and nation to proclaim His glory. And the truth and the wonder of the gospel. And so this morning let's let's put an exclamation point on this today, shall we? We quote this verse around here all the time from James 1:22 often at the conclusion of a service or or of a message. To be doers of the word and not hearers only. That is, as James opens that epistle to the early believers, to the early church, he drives that point home. And of course, you know, the book of James is an interesting one and, uh, and there's been lots of discussion around it through the years. But when you study it in the full scope of, of scripture and the gospel, um, and particularly the New Testament, I think it's very obvious that that it is that point, that that thesis as it were, that the Holy Spirit gives to James. The obedience to God did not end with the coming of Jesus Christ and his death, burial and resurrection and the wonderful gift of, of grace to us all. But we are able now to obey because of that and out of that working of grace. And so we are still called to be doers of the word and not just hearers. But it is not a religion of legalism. It is one of service out of grace because of God's mercy. And I certainly hope that we understand this not only as a personal directive but as a corporate directive as well. Yes, we we each each individual believer needs to take that and apply it to his or her own heart but and live it out each and every day but but even then as a, as an assembly gathered particularly in this place in this community at this time we are to do that and be living it out over these past 4 weeks there's been no question in our minds about what the scripture teaches us regarding the subject of making Mentoring and maturing disciples. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We also know that we must not try to do it in our own power, but that the Holy Spirit fuels us as we seek to serve humbly and obediently. God hasn't asked us to do something we can't do, we can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've seen together over these last few weeks how discipleship is defined in the Bible. We have seen how Jesus demonstrated it to his disciples and and through the preservation of scripture to us as well. He invited people into a discipleship relationship. He instructed them. He entrusted them to go and to do. He empowered them. From the book of Acts... Through the epistles, it is clear that the local church is the primary institution to which this awesome task has been delegated. We cannot say we didn't know. We didn't know. The final piece, of course, as we have looked at these is implementation. We've seen it defined. We've, we've seen it demonstrated. We, we understand it's been delegated, but, but then it has to be implemented. We have to do it. Christians through the ages have faced this same challenge. They have, it is first passed down by word of mouth. Then under inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the mid and late first century, it is written down And it has been passed down through the ages, lived out by every generation of believers since the resurrection. And in every age and in every civilization and every culture and every context, the question has been, okay, but how do we do that? There are some certainly non-negotiables in it. You have to preach the gospel but then after that, there are particulars there are other ways there are there are ways in which that has been done that comes in alongside and continues certainly and the Bible tells us Jesus went about all the all of the villages preaching, teaching and healing. there was an aspect of Jesus's ministry where he heralded the truth. He preached the good news that he was the Messiah. There was also an aspect of his ministry where he taught them. He taught them. Then there was an aspect of, of his ministry where he ministered to physical needs. All of these things still have to be done and ought to be done today. And it all is wrapped up in the Ultimately, what we call discipleship. It's all part of being obedient to that command to go make disciples. We were reminded last week, as, as Jesus hit the eject button, and sent them out. Not just in their regions, not just in, in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, but to the uttermost part. And as we remind, we are part of that uttermost part. So implementation, what is discipleship going to look like here in this place at this time? How is it going to be implemented for us in these days at Farmington Avenue Baptist Church? Because that's really what it comes down to. Okay, we got it. We know. Hopefully you've been convinced, not by me, but just by the power of God's word, this is something we should be endeavoring to do. God's assembled us here in this place for this time to do it. Okay, well then how? We cannot be reminded enough, and I appreciated the fact that Pastor Josh had that passage from Matthew 28 read for us yet once again because we cannot be reminded enough. It cannot be overstated. Discipleship is a divine directive. To go make disciples, to not be making disciples, disciples is, in fact, to be disobedient to God. So let's begin where we left off last week, because it's impossible to rightly be a believer in the church and not be involved in some way in making and mentoring disciples and being discipled. Discipleship isn't exclusive to the church, but it is the primary vehicle God put in place. When you are involved and present, at the time specifically designated on the church calendar as it were, it's not only a benefit to you, it's also an encouragement to others in the family. In the church family. This past Tuesday morning we were talking in a discipleship group that I host in my office with some businessmen. And one of them said, and I just, I just started laughing, I was like, thank you, that's actually in my notes for this coming Sunday. But he made that point. We were, we were talking about, you know, how, you know, kind of the iron sharpens iron and, and so on and so forth. And we're all coming together and we're so encouraged by that time, um, you know, anytime we get together with believers. I was like, yes, exactly. I know. I Look, I will admit, I don't want to be here every Sunday. There, I said it. but I don't know if I've ever left a Sunday not encouraged and blessed. I know that there are times when you're just like, I, 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 just, I just don't want to do that. But you come, and, and you know what? Not only are you going to be encouraged and blessed by it, but your presence, even maybe though in your own heart, in your own mind, a little begrudging, and where most of us are good enough fakers that nobody else knows that that's what's going on in our heart and mind at the particular time. Because we know how to smile and nod and say good to see you tonight. But your presence is a blessing to the others that came and you know what? Several of them may be going through the same thing in their minds and hearts as you were. And yet we come together. God's given us this place, this local assembly and we come and we're like huh. I needed that. I didn't realize how much I needed that. The local church body, it provides an organization of accountability and functionality through which believers can accomplish God's purpose. Discipleship is best accomplished through the local church. Now, again, we talked about this last week. I am thankful for the other parachurch organizations and ministries and publishing houses and all of those things. I am thankful for that. But, folks, it is clear in Scripture, God ordained three institutions, the home, civil government, and the local church. And that was it. The gospel exploded out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And there was not a Christian camp and a Christian publishing house and a Christian discipleship organization present. But there was the local church. We have been blessed in this age for all of these other various ministries, whether, you know, again, it's the camp or the, we talked about it, used the illustration last week, the story of the navigators and um Brother, I hope you don't mind. Brother Boyle came to me last week. Sweet testimony. It was through the ministry of the navigators that he became a child of God. What a blessing. What a blessing. I'm thankful for all of those. But in this age, we kind of look around and we're like, oh, no, if any of them ever went away, what would we ever do? The local church will stand. The local church will endure. It is God's ordained institution. And the gospel will advance. And disciples will be made. And matured. It's my belief based on the study of God's word. And and quite frankly practically validated through the years of ministry. That once a believer realizes the need to be discipled and to disciple others. We also have that that struggle to learn how to prioritize the opportunities. Being involved in the function within the context of a local church, it is so important, and it really is the place to start. Filter everything else out from there. Because it is the organization, it is the function, the biblically ordained function and organization of the local assembly that provides, as it were, an umbrella of accountability for all of us. You see, what we do, and I'm not talking generally here, though I think it could be said in most general terms, but I just we're we're like, this has been a big funnel, okay? And here we are. We're down here at the point this morning for us. What we do here in this place is founded on God's word. God helping us. I don't know of two sentences that make it more plain than what Paul writes to the local assembly of believers at the church at Colossae. And I want you to turn to Colossians 1. We touched on this last week, and and this is kind of the exclamation point for us in these weeks. Colossians 1, if uh, you've got a pen or something, there's some words here to highlight or underline or something. Because this really, again, I don't know two sentences that make it more plain. What is discipleship? How to do it in the church age? Paul writes in Colossians 1, recorded for us in verses 28 and 29. Him, capital H, talking about Christ. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This, this is it. Notice the four actions, as it were, that we need to expect as we endeavor in discipleship. They're right here in front of us. As Paul says, warning, teaching, presenting, and toiling. We're just going to walk right through those here this morning because this... This is it. This is how we do it. It's how he was instructed instructing them to do it at Colossae. This is how we do it now, two thousand, almost two thousand years later. We proclaim Christ, and in doing so, we warn. We warn everyone. Let's go ahead and move that up. One, I think that's that list is there. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. When we proclaim Christ, we are warning everyone. Now, obviously, there is a warning that that is involved there with an eternal warning. They need to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Eternity is in the balance. Eternity with Christ or an eternity separated from Christ in a place called hell. And yes, it really does exist. Jesus was clear about this. The church... The church Catholic, not the Catholic church, but the church Catholic, universal, didn't make up this to scare people into coming to church on Sunday. Jesus spoke of hell often. And eternity hangs in the balance when he gave the the command to go make disciples. So, yes, we are warning. But even beyond that initial warning of the gospel of salvation... There is the warning then of now continue to grow. And that is, that's encapsulated here because look at the progression. Can you not see how they build on each other? Jesus, didn't, Jesus never intended for people to get saved as we say it now. And then just that's it. Just keep living their lives. No, in fact he warns. The epistles, we are warned against that. There is to be growth. Paul talks about, yes, in the early days we, like a baby, desire the sincere milk of the word. But then we progress until one day we're like, give me the steak. Hence we're going through the book of Romans and we'll resume that in a couple weeks. This is an interesting word. It's the Greek word, nutheteo, which is the same root we get. um, Some of you may be familiar with the term nuthetic counseling. It is is what my son Robert uh, does uh, primarily, but of course he's pastoring now, but um, the counseling ministry that we had here for a time. It is simply counseling founded in scripture. That's this word. It, It is to put into the mind, to reprove. Paul said it another way when he wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4. He said, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. This is a passage preached at probably just about every ordination to the candidate, but it's certainly one that's referenced. Paul looks at him, and it's as though he just reaches out and points at him through the miles. I'm charging you in front of God to do what? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with patience and teaching. You see, there is a warning. Disciples must be willing to receive the warning that comes to them from those entrusted with their growth. We said this way back when we began this series a few weeks ago. We are to be making disciples. We are to be a disciple. We are to be being discipled. It's a constant process. Can I say that a true disciple will in fact receive the warning? Think about Judas versus Peter. Judas was warned many, many times, was he not? He chose to... Ignore those warnings. Peter had some really rough days. He was openly rebuked and warned and exhorted by Jesus in front of the others. On more than one occasion, he heeded those warnings. He humbly accepted them. I got to think, from what we know of Peter, that was some, that, those were some tough moments for him. But we have the end of the story, and Peter humbly accepts those warnings. He applies them to his life. I will tell you as a as a pastor, I've been in ministry now for over thirty years and have been a senior pastor for twenty one, twenty two. And I am really tired. I am really tired of saying, well, that's a shame, or isn't that too bad, or what a tragedy. When the sad news comes of another spiritual failure in the life of a believer. When another marriage comes apart, when, a, when, a, when another tragedy has occurred. I'll say one of the hardest things a pastor has to do is to have people inform them of a decision that supposedly we've prayed about this, but it is obvious the decision is not spiritually wise. And you try to be like, hold on. <laughs> no, 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 we've prayed about it. Like that's the trump card that all of a sudden means nobody could ever question my decision. I could tell you story after story after story of people who have led with that, and it's usually a while sometimes years and you hear of tragedy you hear of tragedy and and you think back and you're like man I knew that there was something off I knew there was something wrong you tried to warn you tried to say I don't think that's real real wise no 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 I prayed about it See, all of this is part of discipleship. It's the warning part of discipleship that says, look, we don't all got it. We, we're all learning and we're all growing. I, I remember as a very young pastor, we had just planted our church, had been pastoring it for just a couple years. One of my mentors came through town and we were able to grab lunch together. And I, I can still picture it in my mind, this little country restaurant in Holly Springs, Georgia, And we are sitting there and, you know, I've I've pastored for like two years or something. So I am an expert. I have it figured out. And I am waxing the elephant. All my wisdom that I've gained. And he graciously took it for about 30, 40 minutes. And then he pinned my ears back. (laughs) And I am so grateful he did. I am so grateful he did. Because, man, I had some things I needed to learn. You see, that's part of it. That's part of the, part of the discipleship process. It, it's not a one and done. We, we have, to, have to realize, you know what, there, there are going to be these other times as we're going through the growth process. And, and we're sinful people. We still struggle with the flesh. When a spiritually mature person tells you, I don't think that's a really good idea, you would do well to give that very serious consideration. This is placed side by side, warning is, with teaching. Both have to be in place. just Just as parents are exhorted in Ephesians 6 to employ both discipline and instruction. In discipleship, there is warning, there is teaching. Notice there in the text, it says, warning everyone, conjunction and teaching, not or. It's really important to pay attention to what it says. Warning and they are inextricably attached to the Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Teaching is accomplished in many ways. There have been various programs and methods employed. For us, for Farmington Avenue Baptist Church, we're implementing what we're calling growth groups. Not original with us. But I like how it just, I like how the picture is. The basis for this particular method or program, it's based in the one another passages of scripture. This passage in Galatians chapter 1, the example of Jesus. Interaction is so very important. You see, everything in the New, New Testament points us to the fact that Jesus intends for believers to be involved with one another. Again, another one of my mentors. A man who's impacted my life greatly, Dr. Les Ola, he says it this way. He just says, it's just life-touching life. I love that. We're just living life together. Exhorting and encouraging and comforting and challenging and warning and teaching one another. Part of this is certainly the, the biblical importance placed on intergenerational teaching. Paul passes this along to Timothy and to Titus and and thus to us. Peer to peer is good, but, but it's incomplete. Young adults, young Christians alike desperately need the input of those who are more mature. The reality is the information age that we live in, it is not ushered in the age of maturity. There's a lot of information available and just because you've got information doesn't mean you've got wisdom. And that's what comes along with discipleship. When this is all done, the warning laid side by side with teaching, it's all about maturing. That's the presenting. And pardon me, back when, you know, back in Bible college days and stuff, we used to call it snack shop theology. Because we'd all gather, you know, and have our milkshakes and eat our burgers and fries and stuff and talk about what we're, you know, learning in our theology classes as if we had it figured out. We were just swapping ignorance. But we grow. And thank God for all of us, we had those that were older than us, patient professors, patient pastors, patient parents, And yes, even peers. All of that coming together, warning and teaching. And Paul now gives the reason behind the warning and the teaching and that is occurring. Because there's going to come a day when those entrusted with the spiritual care of the church are going to have to give a report. That is clearly taught in scripture. And Paul understood this. He said, we've been faithfully warning and teaching. Why? Because one day I want to be able to present everyone mature in Christ. What a thought. There's not a believer here today. There's not a believer in this room who doesn't long to hear, well done. Well done. We all pray that when the day comes and we stand before Jesus Christ, that we will hear that, well done, good and faithful servant. The faithful servant is not the one who takes up a seat each Sunday. That would be tantamount to burying the talent in the ground. To hear the affirmation, the talent so graciously given has to be stewarded. Discipleship is how we steward the talent of the gospel. In the closing sentences of the book of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit, through the author, gives several final exhortations to the early church. One of those is in Hebrews thirteen seventeen, And he says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. What a statement. Again, anyone anyone who's called to to the ministry of pastoring, this is one that that rings in our hearts and our minds on a daily basis. And, And does it not harken back to that warning? We want to present everyone mature in Christ. Now, we could all tell the horror stories, and, and all of a sudden now our minds start running about, well, yeah, but I know those who have abused their leadership. Me too. Shame. Shame. There's no covering it. There, there's no no glossing it over. Yes, it has occurred. It's also not an excuse not to be biblical in our discipleship. There's not an alternative. God will deal with them. But that doesn't, we can't allow that to become our excuse for, oh, well, well I don't believe that that's really what it says. No, it is really what it says. In fact, he says it twice. He says, obey and submit. We have no problem telling our children that, Right? The government has no problem telling its citizens that, right? And yet we get into the other ordained institution by God into the church and everybody's like, can't tell me what to do. I have the liberty of the Spirit. If you do, the Holy Spirit confirms in your heart you're supposed to obey and submit. You're supposed to heed the warning. You're supposed to learn from the teaching because it's all given and powered by this desire to ultimately one day present you mature in Christ. Thank God for those through the ages who have prayerfully considered how can we do this in our time. Thank God for a shoe salesman from Boston who got burdened for the little rugrats running around the streets. And said, they need to hear about Jesus. And he started a Sunday school. And he warned them and he taught them. Thank God for those kinds of ministries. Thank God for, I don't know who it was, but somebody came up with the idea when, you know, buses came around. And maybe they did it with wagons. I don't know. But, you know, the bus ministry. It had a time and a place. Thank God for all of the other things that we could think about and talk about that have been used through the years, through the decades to accomplish maturing, presenting people mature in Christ. As your pastor, I warn you and I teach you and I I help to plan and facilitate programs and opportunities through which you're warned and taught. The reason is because, like Paul, I want you to be mature in Christ. I'm not interested in you just showing up on Sunday morning. There's a God-ordained process through which the product is realized, and this is it. You You don't get the product without the process. The church and those organized and those things organized for and through the local assembly, they provide this protective umbrella of accountability, as we've said, that it's not in place through other organizations, no no matter how spiritually minded they are. There are big pieces that are missing. They're helpful, they can be a blessing, but the local church is what God, God, God has ordained. Please don't don't misunderstand. Don't leave here and go. Pastor Sweat doesn't like any of those. That is not what I said at all. I am thankful for them, but they're not a replacement for. They're an addition to. And finally, we must all accept that because of our sinful natures and the sinful world in which we we live, this is just going to be hard work. Paul says here, for this I toil. The goal, the mission is discipleship. But be warned, it is hard work. But it's so worth it. The word Paul uses here is toil. It, I mean, it means what you think it means. It means literally to labor to exhaustion. God hasn't hidden the plan. He didn't bury the lead. He knows what he's asking of us, and so we're reminded every week. He gives us power. And so he says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Jesus called disciples to take up the cross, never sugarcoated it. Discipleship isn't convenient, it isn't easy. It isn't done in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks. It's a lifetime pursuit. Is there really such a thing as enough Bible? Is there really such a thing as enough time with other believers? Is is there really ever enough worship? Where is the urgency in our hearts and in our minds? Discipleship is accomplished through many and various complementary methods It begins with the corporate gatherings for worship, but added to that are the times for teaching, for gathering in small groups to study and discuss together, and and even one-on-one interactions around the Word. So we're implementing this coming Wednesday. We're launching what we've been talking about for some time now. We call them growth groups, and, and, and the name says it all. It is a group that is endeavoring to grow together in spiritual maturity, Iron sharpening iron, exhorting, encouraging one another. Now, this is for us. And by that I mean every church has to determine what's best for their context. The particulars are not as important as being committed to the practice of making disciples. So it is not up to us to look at some other church's ministry and go, man, you guys got it all wrong. The whole small group idea has been around for a very long time. Quite frankly, we have talked about it here for a very long time. The question has been how for us in our context. And that's why we have decided Wednesday nights, 6.30, here, everybody together, it allows us to, to provide childcare, It allows us to provide discipling opportunities for children, for the teens, as well as for the adults. This is, this is how we're going to do it, for now. I I dare say it, it will morph over time. Hopefully it will get better. <laughs> but this is the starting place. Now, just, just for our information, just so kind of, you know, you're going to get here on Wednesday night. You are going to get here on Wednesday night. God helping us. What's it going to look like? What are we going to do? 630 sharp all right if you have had little if you have babies you know nursery could be here a few minutes early there will be a nursery nursery goes through four years old not two through all right parents teachers they're going to coordinate on the timing when maybe a child is ready to to move up to the children's class sometime in that four-year range Reality is, may, might be good for certain children to do that in stages, and and maybe the children's che- teachers will bring them in for the music time or the song time, and then send them back to nursery for the rest of it. We'll figure we'll figure all that out. Now let me say this: we want as many people as possible to be involved. We are working on the nursery plan. Okay. Um, quite frankly, we are endeavoring, we are endeavoring to to reach outside and to hire people to come in and take care of our nursery for us on those evenings. They will go through our background check process and all of that kind of stuff. And DOT will still be supervising them. Um, but uh, until that time, our people will be there. But, uh, but we just we want everybody to be able to be a part. The children, five years through fifth grade, John and April Robitaille are going to be leading them. They're, you know, again, just the way the schedule worked. The next three weeks, they're, they're out of town. But um, we've got it covered. All right, Jeremy and Melody are going to be helping us out. Stephen and Nicole are going to be helping out and some different things. But we've got the children covered five years through fifth grade. All right, so again, that's a big range, but but that's what we have the ability to staff at this time. So so parents, please help us and be understanding and supportive. The teens, the sixth through the twelfth grade, they're going to be studying 1 Samuel right along with adults. All right, on their level, in their place. Stephen and Nicole will be, be leading that, and then the adults are, desi- are divided up into two groups. We've had those sheets available again. If you're not on the sheet, if your name's not on the sheet, it doesn't mean you're not welcome or you can't participate. All right. The scariest thing ever is as a pastor making a list or starting to say thank yous and you forget somebody. So just show up on Wednesday night at six thirty. We'll get you in a group. All right. Um, and so. You know, again, and you don't have to be a member of Farmington Avenue to be a part of this, all right? If this is where you worship, you're welcome to come and, and join us in these times and, and be a part of, of one of these groups. They'll be, we'll be in these groups from September all the way through May, all right? This isn't a five- or six-week thing. This is September to May. We're going to fellowship in these groups. We're going to minister in these groups. We're going to study God's Word. We're going to pray together in these groups, all right? So at 630... Nursery will be staffed, everybody, the children, just like on a Sunday morning, children, adults, everybody will meet in the chapel for about 10 minutes, a couple announcements, couple songs, then everybody gets to their group, children to theirs, teens to theirs, adults to the two separate groups. Uh, the Sparkmans group is going to meet in the chapel, the chairs will get rearranged real fast into you know more conducive time for, for discussion. Our group, we're going in my office. One of the reasons we built my office like we did a couple summers ago is for this purpose, for things just like this. So these are going to be exciting days for us as a church family. And I don't want a single one of us to miss out on the thrill that it is to form these bonds with other brothers and sisters in Christ that only come through interactive study and discussion of God's word, life-touching life, iron sharpening iron, loving, exhorting, encouraging, caring for one another, praying with one another. This is discipleship. This is what God has called us to do, to go to make disciples we do all of it because it's directed and commanded by Jesus. And we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. We do it by his grace and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we... We come and we are so thankful that you have in your word made it so plain what it is you expect of us. But you have also given us such clear instruction, demonstration of how to do it. And most of all, you've given to us the power. We cannot say we didn't know. We cannot rightly say we couldn't. Oh Father, help us. All of us, each of us, individually, together as a church family, together as a local assembly of, of believers. Help us, Father. us to receive the warning, help us to faithfully teach, oh, Father, help us to mature, to be what you want us to be. Yes, Father, help us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. We pray these things in Jesus' name.